Wallace. And I have John Holly here with me. Three phases, dressage, cross-country, show jump. And you're out on course and something's going wrong or going right. You know how to react to what they're doing. It was built originally to be a schooling facility, and so everything's set up very conveniently. Uh, welcome to the John and Rick Show. This is episode seven, and we're excited about being here again through Skype. We're both uh, still in quarantine. We'd like to really uh, thank our presenting sponsor, uh, Horse Trailer Pros. We are the voice of the eventing radio show, and we are here right now. Yeah, super excited to be here and have a big show ahead of us. Who do we have on today, Rick? Well, the exciting thing is we have Lucinda Green. Yep. And we have John Michael Durer. Yep. Right. And then we have, at the end, we're going to be joined by Lisa Casanella, Dr. Lisa Casanella, uh, who is a great sports medicine vet, works for Peak Performance here in Ocala, and she's yep. going to be a really great person to have on as well. Yeah. She's a part of my, my of the people that we use. Peak Performance is amazing. Her, Jill, and Allison, uh, you know, in fact, I unfortunately had to use Peak Performance. We just uh, had a, a thing happen to my advanced horse, uh, Ultimate Victory, who lost an eye in, in a cross tie accident um, three days ago. Oh. Uh, and I think my message to everybody on that is I went through and got rid of every single bungee cord uh, cross tie that we have. You know, he's 17 years old. He spooked from a broom. He pulled back and it just went to the extension of that bungee and just knocked it right in the eye. So he has, you know, a rupture, ruptured eye. But boy, I had Dr. Brooks. I had. Dr. Bader, Allison Bader from Peak Performance. I had Lisa call me on the phone. You know, what a great group of people. Yeah, no, they're great. And I'm, I, they, I mean, what a horrible thing to have happen, but what a great team to have there. And Definitely. I've, seen, I've seen some of your posts on Facebook of your groundwork with him, and it's been amazing to watch. And I, I obviously know that horse pretty well. Um, you I rode him at the AECs. I was lucky enough to get to ride him at the AECs, exactly. And such a nice good i mean he's just the picture of what you want in an event horse and that he has such a big heart and he has such try um he does you know when when you called me and told me that it happened i had a tear in my eye for him because i just it, it's such a lovely horse he'd never want it to happen to and have it happen to any animal obviously but poor cody he didn't he didn't deserve that and it's just no, an accident he, that happens no it, it, and it did and, and you know i Immediately, Elisa said, call Holly Jack Smithers. Call her. She's got right. a one-eyed wonder. You know, it's a pretty cool Dutch horse. It's 10 years old now. Um, and I called her up and she went, you know what? It's, he's going to be fine. Yeah. You, from day one, start treating him like you need to treat him, just like a regular horse. Right. Uh, yeah, and he's coming along. We, we are getting ready to get on him already. And he's lunging and walking over poles. And, you know, I, I have no doubt he's going to be back by fall. Uh, right. I really don't. So yeah, that's with awesome. that being said, it, you know, uh, thanks to all the well-wishers on them. I hear it all the time and we appreciate it. And again, get rid of the bungee cord uh, cross ties. Yeah. Such a, such a thing. So anyway, glad that he's doing well. Um, so I thought maybe as well, we should just bring up to speed or bring everybody up to speed on what's going on with competition. So the USEF extended the deadline, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, they extended it. Right. To May 31st? Correct. 
And so what do you think of that? You know, I, I think we even talked about it before it happened. Um, and my hope was, I, you know, I get what the USEF is doing at the same time. I was hoping with the April 30th end for Florida, April 30th was the end of our stay at home, uh, that they would then even across the country defer to states as they started making their own decisions based on data based on what's going on there on how to reopen and do uh, do a correct way of, of reopening the states, right? And I was yeah. hoping the USEA would say, you know what, we're going to defer to the states. And as they open, then we will have the conversation, do a vote and say, we'll open it up in Florida due to this. But, you know, they just did a blanketed month and, you know, Florida's opening. I think we're in phase one and we have restaurants back open Outdoor seating, six feet apart, 25% of capacity. Um, gyms aren't open yet. And I think the governor actually, the governor today was meeting with um, uh, hairdressers, you know, because they right. need to really quick due to your hair. Uh, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, sorry. I just real quick. <laughs> this is what Rick's talking about. I, I was tried, like to trim, the governor tried to trim my sideburns yesterday. It just and it failed. Well, I just kept going. Yeah, it was bad. So well, anyway, that's why was, we got the hat. The governor was too late. So my point is, if we could have just deferred what I even in my head today, I was like, well, maybe USEA will come back and say or USEF will come back and say, you know what? We're not going to make it until the 31st. We're going to do it until the 15th. But I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think I, I do tend to agree with you. I would have thought that they could leave it sort of to a state-by-state state basis. Um, but, you know, it's so tricky because you watch some of the leagues, the professional sports leagues, and they're not coming back anytime soon. But, but it's different. It, than our, it's than different. Our as a federation and as an association, it is different. You're right. And you would think, I mean, I think when they do start to open it up, they're going to do exactly what you're saying and say, right, so we can start competing, assuming that it's allowed and safe where you are. Right. Um, and leave it leave it to the states there. So I guess what it means is, for the meantime, we're all still hanging out with not a lot to do competition wise. So what are you guys doing to to stay busy? Are you doing Netflix? What's going on there? Yeah, we're Netflixing all the time. We um, actually started Game of Thrones back. Uh, we're a huge Game of Thrones uh, champions, and we started back with season one just to, uh, like three days ago. Right, uh, but. But we, prior to that, and you're going to tell me a story I heard, we loved Ozark. And oh. Ozark was amazing. It's three seasons. It had great characters. It was brutal. But at the same time, it had Justin, um, Justin, what's his name, from yeah. the sitcoms back in the, I mean, he was such a great actor in this. Laura Kenny. Wow. Have I you ever it. seen, have you ever seen Game Night, the movie? He's in that too. Same actor. Yeah, he's yeah, he is in that. He's good. Uh, but Elisa also appears. Elisa in the Mustang. Elisa Wallace and her Mustang Rune, who she won in 2013, the tw the big huge Mustang makeover. He would lay down, and so he's in season three, episode five. Elisa walks into this barn, and I'm not going to tell you why if you're watching Ozark. Uh, but the horse Fledge would lay down for the scene, and so if you watched. Uh, season three, episode five, you see the horses. Those are all Elisa and, and, and Fledge and some others from her area. So here's the deal. I will watch that episode, but I 
got told that it was a great show and that I should watch it. It is a great it. show. <sighs> I can't watch it. Right. I watched virtually all of episode one, and I struggle with shows that are violent that show family dynamics like that. Like, I couldn't watch um, Breaking Bad. Couldn't watch it. Be- not because it's too violent. I love violent shooter movies. I got no problem with that. But when it involves kids and families, I just, I couldn't do it at all. Cannot. But that's real world. I know. And I don't want real world when I'm watching TV. I want something fun. So we started at our house, okay. Shit's Creek. You ever watch Shit's Creek? No, it, sounds, it sounds smelly. Oh, it's so funny. Funniest yeah. show I've watched in a long time. What's it like about? 25 minute episodes. It is the dad from American Pie. Remember the dad from American oh, Pie? Oh, yeah. We'll tell your mother yeah. we ate uh, the pie. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's him. He's, I think he directed or produced it as well. He's the father. Um, he's like a video producer and he's super, super rich, but they lose everything. The IRS comes and takes all their stuff because they didn't file taxes for like 10 years. Right. And the only thing they let them keep is that as a joke, he bought his son a town called Shit's Creek and they let them keep the town. So they have to move to this little podunk town in the middle of nowhere, Canada. Sounds pretty good. And it's all about they're like snobby, horrible people. But you start to kind of like them and sort of take an affection for the family and how they're trying to deal with this stuff. And it's just we watched I watched entire season one a couple nights ago in one sitting um, and we're partway through season two and it's like, I can watch it with Caden. It's not over the top. Well, this is true. You could not watch Ozark with Caden. So no, it's I, pretty I violent. Yeah. But it, I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. That's the difference between I me and it. you, I guess I want. Stupid. Well, it's just the difference because my, my kids are 33 and 38 years is yeah. 12. Yeah. So. Yeah. So anyway, that's what we've been doing is, is I got you. watching bad TV. Yeah, and we, you know, and also we got to visit your farm the other day. I think we are able to move around now without, yep. uh, with the stay at home gone, gone away. So that was nice. Thanks for having us over there. Yeah, it was um, fun to have you. And I think we went to Majestic the other day and did some stuff at Majestic. And, um, you know, it's, it's starting to open up. I think we just all have to find our feet and start moving forward, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just start doing some stuff. That's, that's the plan. So, um, well, listen, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with John Michael Durr, who, uh, will be with us momentarily until then let's check out these commercials. All right. Sweet Dixie South is an equestrian facility built for the lifestyle of the vendors of all levels. Whether you are coming to Ocala for the entire season, a week, a month, or a year, this beautiful 160 acre farm a place to settle in and enjoy your time with horses. They offer a full cross-country course with two water features, banks, ditches, an amazing footing to gallop, a spectacular all-weather footing ring, large grass jumping fields, and dressage rings. Located in the rolling hills of North Marion County in Reddick, Florida, Sweet Dixie South has 100 stalls and numerous paddocks, apartments, a line of camper hookups, washer and dryer amenities, as well as common areas to complete your experience during your stay. Under the ownership of Mike Campbell and the management of can-do Joe Adams at Top Rail Tech, Sweet Dixie South has transformed into a premier eventing training facility in Florida. Go to www.sweetdixiesouth.com for more information. The equestrian life has big highs, heartbreaking lows, and so many moments of self-doubt. 
From CCI 5 Star to Starter, every rider needs a support system and a cheering section. A care package filled with equestrian goodies can be the perfect way to celebrate, congratulate, or commiserate. Let Present Pony do the work so you don't have to miss an opportunity to express your love and support. Jump for Joy USA has what you need for your private farm or recognized competition. Our jumps are no maintenance, easy to move, and affordable. No scraping or painting necessary. We offer jump stands, wings, fillers, water trays, and more. Poles are wood-filled and available in four weights and lengths. And we now offer octagonal poles. Our cross-country portables and brush jumps are extremely useful and have been used for training by the British eventing team since 1990. Easy to move from the arena to the field and no tractor required, so you can change your setup often. We ship coast-to-coast in the USA and Canada. Visit our website, jumpforjoyusa.com. All right, welcome back to the John and Rick Show, the voice of the eventing radio show. And we are super excited to be here, thanks to Horse Trailer Pros. And really happy because we are now joined by John Michael Durr, who is a very successful three-day event trainer, um, does show jumpers, hunters, and has done all this for over a decade. Um, He's developed horses for the upper levels, achieving a lot of top results. As an ICP instructor, John Michael enjoys training riders and horses of all levels. He goes to hits here in Ocala a lot, as well as Tryon International, where I think John Michael is right now. Um, And he's always got people watching him go. He earned his level four ICP certification and was one of the youngest trainers ever to do so. And on top of all of this, he's also an FEI level two cross-country course designer. Um, John Michael, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, welcome. All all the age of 19 now? Yeah, right? Yep, yep. (laughs) I can almost drink in a bar. There you go. Although there's no bars open. (laughs) Yeah, right? Well, cool. How's Tryon? We've been seeing some posts that you got up there the last week. Yeah, actually, that that was a post from last fall. I just got up here Wednesday, just, oh, okay. in, just in just in time for the rain. But I've been coming up and visiting up visiting a bit. It's it, it's great. It actually looks better than ever. You know, this this downtime. I think every facility is using to just sort of you know polish their a game. That's pretty cool. So what I you know what I do know that uh, Dougie Hanna has a horse with you, doesn't he? He does. He has two, and uh, he he lives in my backyard, and. Um, yeah, what does he so, do? Eat grass in the backyard or what? Yeah, basically. What is- <laughs> I mean, he cooks dinner a lot, actually. Uh, oh, wow. He'll put on a whole chef's outfit. Like, if I, if I get a good result on his horse, he'll make us. I mean, he made lobster the other day. It's, it's, nice. it's pretty cool. No, but I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing having somebody with that depth of experience wandering around, you know, kicking you in the butt all day, every day. Definitely. So, so tell us a little bit about the horses that you have, then. What are you guys riding? Yeah, so I've got... Um, Dougie's horse, he's was supposed to step back up to advanced um, right before right right before life stopped. And then I've got another one who's really cool. His name's Tillicum. We call him Marvel. And um, he was a really cool find, actually. He went up through the old three-star, now four-star level with Andrew Nicholson. Um, that was really highly placed in the um, seven-year-olds at Leon Danger. And then when Andrew got hurt, he got sold over here into jumper world and sort of got lost. And, you know, somebody came up to me and said like, Hey, we don't really have anything going for this horse. You want to pick it up? And I called one of my great owners, Becky Brown and said, Hey, you want to take a chance? It might be lighting money on fire. It might be a good thing. And he stepped back up to advance that 
first advance at Rocking Horse and hasn't looked back. I'm really, really excited about him. Yeah, I remember when you first got him and you were telling me about him. And I thought, God, if that works, it could be so cool because it wouldn't have been better started by anybody than by Andrew. And to be able to get those miles and, um, you know, kind of put it back together to be an event horse is, is pretty cool. Uh, it's been really fun. I swear he canters down to the, the fences going, haven't you seen your place by now, you idiot? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, he's, he's, super, he's super cool. And then we have a handful of really talented young ones. Uh, my, wife and I, my wife has a really good string right now. She's got one in advance and then one that was sort of up there in the charge for Leon Danger herself, an American bred thoroughbred that's really, really cool that she's, she's done really well with. And We'll see if that that goes or not, but no, we got some exciting horses around. Um, still in a very much a development phase after coming out from the West Coast, but you know we're at the bottom of the top again. I feel like instead of chasing for the top, so it's a nice right. place to be. That's great. Um, and so then, what are you doing up there at Tryon? I know you um, have some exciting things coming up, and um, you know what's going on up there. Yeah, so um, Tryon's doing a really exciting thing. We sort of got to talking about it in the legends bar last fall and it became a bit of a real thing so that whole glade area that that basically the area below the barns that used to that was used for like the aec cross country and whatnot before the golf course was developed and while the golf course was being protected for for the leg um they no longer use that at all for the cross country now everything beginner novice even starter when we run starter on up is on the golf course so that whole area was kind of being underutilized, and now it's going to get turned into a, the, a really proper cross-country school. We have a three-phase plan for it. Um, phase one should actually be done June 1st. Um, as Tryon reopens to the public, it'll be ready. Um, so it'll be I mean, it'll be one of the best, cross, as good as any of the other cross-country schoolings around. I mean, it's the idea of it is excellent, and we're gonna. I think we're really going to achieve that. And then as part of that, um, we're opening up to the public. Um, you know, sort of a pay-as-you-go system, similar to like the Jockey Club does and that sort of thing. That notorious Weg Hill, that last minute of the Weg, um, is going to be open to the public to use as a gallop. It'll be a be a full circle, um, about a 20-minute flat hack if you're trotting, you know, six minutes if you're cantering, and you'll be able to use that whole Weg Hill on a, on a circle to really keep your horses fit. A um, little bit of the idea of it is sort of a complete training package. So like guys like you who are based in Ocala year round could kind of come up for a week, use the hill as a gallop, participate in a jumper show. We'll set up a dressage arena for you guys while you're here, get the cross country school, get another gallop in on the hill and then continue on to Bromont or Fair Hill or whatever and really make it a make it a training destination and that sort of thing. So well that's pretty cool. It might be a good way to break up a trip up, up north. I'll have to keep that in mind. Yeah, no, that 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 that's very much what we're conscious of in in the in the plan. You know, Tryon really thinks of that a lot with the jumpers, uh, for their scheduling of how they get from jumping in Wellington to jumping in New York or whatever. And we want to kind of try to create that culture for the eventing a little bit. Excellent. Hey, John Michael, I kind of recall the last time I saw you in person was at the Win Dixie, and you didn't have the set of teeth you have right now. No, no, I got new new teeth over the winter. Um, I'm a cross country course designer, and I decided to try to be helpful with the builders. Who those guys are amazing, and you should really let experts do what they do. And I slipped <laughs> with a drill and knock out, knocked out, and broke my front teeth. So I got a, I, got a whole, I, new, whole new set here. I felt so bad for you because you were you were in pain. Yeah, it was it was it was not my favorite 
thing I've ever done. I'll tell yeah, you It's that funny because the, the story I was told was that you were lipping off to Kimmy and she popped you one and that's <laughs> well, how you the, lost him. The, the drill broke the first couple and then after she didn't have to worry about permanent damage because she knew they were all getting replaced, she just let loose. Right, right. <laughs> I'm sure you had it coming. Uh, well, I, we I always have it coming. I definitely learned a lesson. I'm not messing with a jackhammer. No, yeah. no. Well, that wasn't even a jackhammer. That was like a simple drill. And I was trying. Uh, was to- it just a drill? Yeah, it was just a drill. I was sort of bent over trying to horse an old timber lock out. and It slipped and uh, inertia took over. Story you know what? Life, inertia gets me every time. I would stick with it was a jackhammer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to say that. how strong I am. I can pull it up into my own face. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so... I know, John Michael, you are obviously a part of the cross-country safety committee as well that we're on together. And um, you actually just came on this last year. And, um, you know, we last two weeks ago had Leslie Grant Law on and she talked to us a little bit about stuff and, um, you know, sort of tell us a little bit, some of your thoughts on what that committee has been doing, where you think it's going. You don't have to be polite because I chair the committee. You can say whatever you want. Um, but sort of where you think safety in, in this country is going and if you have any, you know, any thoughts on it. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's an interesting one for me. I've, I've always been super passionate about safety. I mean, the first high profile fatality of a young rider was somebody very much out of my friend group out in California, Mia Erickson, quite right. a few years ago now. So, you know, that's a little bit what took me to course design and all that. So I'm, I'm really pleased to be a part of it because it's something that is, is very close, close to home. And I think it, I think it does, you know, we, that's such a diverse group you've put together. I think, I mean, sometimes we're a bit like shooting a shotgun, but when we, when we really get focused and, and, you know, everything that we've gotten to a finale, I think has been a very good thing, um, you know, I, I listened to another podcast that where Ian Stark was talking about the Saturday morning stomach on cross country. Um, right. And he said, you know, as a rider, it's great. You have the Saturday morning stomach, you get on, you jump your first fence and warm up and you're fine. And then he said, as a course designer, you have that feeling from the first horse to the last horse. So for me, when I sit on that committee, it's anything we can do to try to look, that stomach's never going to go away. I'm always going to worry about every rider who's jumping every one of my fences that I put out there. But if we can get it so that we've done everything we can to make sure the right riders are there at the right levels, the right jumps are there, the right jumps are there in the right places. And then once all that fails, if it goes wrong, that jump will do everything it can to be safe, give way or not give way, depending on what the, whatever the right thing is for that moment. And we go rounds about that all the time. But I think is every bit that we can put in place is only going to make the sport better and make it more sustainable and more reliable. And hopefully, like I said, ease that Saturday morning stomach, you know? Right, right. Well said. Um, did, did you guys notice what I'm wearing here? I got this T-shirt. Can you see it? Oh, I like it. Yeah, so my friend, and, and she's a fr- very good friend of mine and a customer, um, Jamie McAllister, came up with this shirt, and there was one other one, and did it as a fundraiser. Um, and then it's got stuff. I don't know if you can see the back. Can you see the back? Uh, okay. A little lower. A little lower. A little lower. There we go. There you go. Um, so she did these as a fundraiser to send money into the foundation, to the USEA foundation. Um, and there'll be some other ones coming, but I make sure I was make made sure I had this all week and I was so excited to wear it for the show. Uh, so I saved it for to for tonight. That's awesome. I, That's I awesome. like it. Now you need to do a tattoo that says hash, hashtag frangible pin. 
That's the best idea I've ever heard. I love getting tattoos. You know that. So I'm all I know. about it. There you go. All right. Well, listen. You might no, want to add frangible, not just call yourself frangible pen or something, not just call yourself frangible in a tattoo. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> I'll have to give it a little bit of thought. Um, all right. Well, listen, JM, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks yeah, for thanks taking for the time. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, and, guys. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll be we'll be in touch soon. Thanks a lot. All right. Take it easy, guys. Let's right, go listen we'll to back. some commercials. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll be right back. Special thanks to our contributing sponsor, Black Horse Farm, fox hunting and eventing. Located in Area 4, Black Horse Farm and the Mossback Hounds in Elizabeth, Illinois, welcome active USEA eventers to come join them for an introductory fox hunt free of charge. Ride with Master of the Hounds, Tony Leahy, and the Mossback Hounds over some of the finest hunt territory in the entire country. For further details, visit Black Horse Farm on Facebook to arrange for a ride sponsor. ERA of North America is the voice of the rider. To assimilate and leverage the collective voice of North American riders, equine professionals, and owners, ERA of North America works to improve the overall safety, welfare, visibility, and growth of the sport. Be sure to go to www.eraofna.com and jump in. You can compare, you can contrast, but in the end, there's only one ultra-premium horse feed. Pro Elite Horse Feed. Its nutrition lock formulas ensure quality. Its advanced amino acid profiles maximize performance. Its regulated starch and sugar levels mean confident calorie sourcings, and its superior digestibility leads to an overall healthier horse. When it comes to feeding your champion horse, there is no competition. There's Pro Elite Horse Feed. For more information, visit www.proelitehorsefeed.com. Hey, everybody. So, our next interview here is with Lucinda Green, and we were so excited to have her on the show. Unfortunately, we did have some issues with Lucinda's computer getting on Skype to join us, so we went ahead and we used her cell phone and the video from her cell phone, and because of that, some of the video isn't perfect, but we were so excited to have her on, and she was such a great interview that we decided we would just deal with the technical issues on the video and hope that you all enjoy it. So here we go. Welcome back to the John and Rick Show, the voice of the Eventing Radio Show, brought to you, as always, by Horse Trailer Pros. And we are so excited to be joined by Lucinda Green, a uh, six-time badminton winner, which is in itself amazing. But on top of that, she's got an Olympic silver medal. She was a world champion and a two-time European champion. And I'm sure I've missed all kinds of other stuff because the list here of Lucinda's accomplishments are just unreal. And uh, most important to me is that she is the woman who is responsible for teaching me a clinic in Wisconsin when I was 19 years old and finding me my first job with Peter Gray. So, Lucinda, this is all your fault. Wow. Wow, Lucinda. so lovely of you to remember. We won't discuss how long ago you were 19. (laughs) No, no. It was was a while ago. You know, John, I've been teaching 35, 38 years, and I remember very few people unless they're exceptional. And I have to say, I will never forget you at, I can't remember the name of the lovely man, I'm Malcolm. Malcolm, Malcolm, that's right. died, And it was his clinic, and this lovely, young, long-legged boy turned up, and it was Jonathan Holling. And I'll never forget, I always felt you would go somewhere, and look, here you are. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I really had a great time. It's one of my favorite memories of eventing ever, and um, it was such an honor to get to ride with you then, and it's an honor to have you on our show now, so thanks for joining. Yeah, and it's too bad, Lucinda, 
we were going to have you March 13th at John's place. So it was going to be like a really cool kind of full circle there where because he was going to ride a his, one of his thoroughbreds in the clinic. And it's too bad that we didn't get you here. But we're going to work on you next time. I was going to love that. And I'll tell you what, Friday the 13th has never been more unlucky because I was <laughs> flying out on Friday the 13th at midday. Yeah. And at about midnight on the, the evening before, the people in America that I was going to, which was you, Rick, and um, at, at Aiken, Lara right. and her Lara. husband, they just said, you'd be mad to leave England. And my goodness, how right you all were. <laughs> yeah. So Crazy stuff happening. Um, and I would and like Rick, to. I'm still trying to get the airfare back. It's the struggle. You, you know, worries about the airfare. I'm sure that will come back. You'll be able to use that some other time. We'll work all that out. I hope um, so. But, John, to your point about Lucinda and the great accomplishments at badminton, she's wearing a badminton shirt right now, I believe. Um, the 2020 badminton, badminton shirt. Look at that. Unfortunately, it was canceled, but she won badminton six times on six different horses. That's unreal. So, Lucinda, take us through your six badmintons. Oh, my goodness. I, all I felt <laughs> at the end of those six badmintons was there must be something that I meant to do in this life for me having got so, so lucky. Because you don't win badminton even once. It's incredibly difficult. And to get it six times on six different horses, I just it felt like it was out of my hands. And I thought when it had finally finished, although there's still the seventh, because seventh is my lucky number, remember? Uh, <laughs> I thought, well, there must be something in this world that I'm destined to do, because otherwise, why have I been given the good fortune to win so many badmintons? So I sometimes turn around and think, well, maybe it was that, or maybe it was that, but I don't know what it was. But anyhow, I just feel incredibly lucky. Well, I, I think it was probably luck combined with some other skills and skill set in there. Um, but yeah, I can tell I think, you, I think the, the main skill was my total love of cross country and my total love of the horses that I rode. And I know it sounds cliched and corny to say that, but my God, love is a strong thing. And it, it really was those two loves. And that gave, gave an opening to so much help from so many wise, wonderful people. And, you know, those things combine, don't they? As well as the experiences you learn off different horses, because that's what it's all about. And and that's what gets you to be so lucky. But it, it is it is the passion that, that Jeff Sinclair says you have, John, too, about, about cross-country. It is that passion that I think has won through. Well, well I, Jeff, Jeff's a pretty amazing guy. And that's Jeff Sinclair, who's uh, the chairman of what is the Risk Management Steering Group, right? Yeah, and well so done he, for not calling it Safety Committee. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, and he's he's a great man. And it's nice to know that he said... Nice to know that he said something nice about me. So good, he good, was Jeff. Very thank you. complimentary about you <laughs> well, and your for cross country and safety. That's probably a good segue because look what I don't know if you can see the shirt he's wearing, Lucinda, but he too is wearing a shirt with a message. So what it says, say? "Support your sport." Hashtag uh, USEA frangible. frangible. Oh, good man. Yes, excellent. Yeah. So. We're doing that as a as a fundraiser for our whole safety initiative over here in the yeah, states. Yeah, I know. I, I heard that. I'm so delighted, and you're doing very very well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. We we're doing great. We've got uh, matching funds, and a lot of people over here have donated, and we're a little over two hundred thousand dollars in the in the kitty right now. So we're doing doing well that way. That is fantastic. Well done. Yeah, thank you. So I think what Rick was going to ask was sort of your thoughts on safety. Is that right, Rick? And yep. and where you think we need to go as a sport, where you think, that you was know, it. And I know 
you're going to have some different opinions than than I would or Rick would, and I think that's all very good and healthy to have. So where do you think do you think we've gone wrong, and where do you think we need to go? You ask a, a fabulous question, Jonathan, and an impossible question. So I'm going to go right out, right out wide ways, um, and say that what I think we've lost and what I think is probably the most important thing is our horse's ability to think for himself. And I think that is our greatest safety belt, that the more we've become uh, ingratiated with the accuracy needed for dressage as, as the level has risen and the accuracy needed for show jumping as the level has ridden, risen, we've taken the greatest safety belt we have, which is our horse's initiative, and thrown it in the bushes. And it's, an, it's a fascinating, um, if you think about it, if you draw back and you draw big and wide, horses are the most extraordinary animal, I think, in the whole world. They're, they are the only animal that has so many different abilities to do so many different jobs, not just sport, but so many different jobs. And the reason that he can do those different jobs is because he is so trainable. And therefore, that can work against him. And he can be so trainable that he relies upon you to tell him what to do the whole way around a cross-country course. And for me, because he's not, therefore, developing his initiative, because he's so tuned in and listening to you, I feel, as I said, his greatest safety belt is being thrown away. Now, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful paradox, what, what I would be looking for, in, in, in a cross-country rider to make it safe. I would want my horse to listen to me. There is no two ways about it. He has not walked the course. He has to listen to me. But I want him in the same breath to think for himself. And if you think of that, it is a huge paradox, a paradox being a double opposite. And I feel that I, as a rider, are responsible for three things. And if I don't do those three things, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm responsible for the engine, the line, he's got to see exactly where he's got to go, and the balance. And I call it elbow, engine line balance, E-L-B, and ow, if you forget one of them. And then my <laughs> like horse, <laughs> yeah, elbow, my horse is responsible for where he takes off. And because I don't want to dominate his takeoff spot, it, I hope, leaves him with his thinking intact. And I know this is a slightly foreign, or some to some people, very, very foreign. And I, I always think back to Ginny, Elliot, Leng, or Holgate, who, whichever you remember as, but she was really probably the greatest rider in the world in the early 80s. And she had a beautiful saying. She was taught by the same pe person that I was taught by. And she said, you know, if you see a beautiful stride going across country, wonderful, ride for it. But if you see nothing, sit up and keep your leg on. And that, I think, is why her falls, I can almost count on one hand, um, because she had a strategy. If there was a lovely stride there, she went with it. If there was nothing there, she sat up and kept her leg on. And it was very simple. And it's become a great deal more complicated now with people feeling that they must see the stride or they're going to fall. And the more accidents we have, the more terrified people become of getting in on the wrong stride. And so the less the chance the horse has to think for himself. And that's really where I think we are and we need to go. And I, I agree with you, Lucinda. I'm, actually, I benefited a lot from when you were here last time. And 
And there's a lot of things that that clicked on with that clinic. And and I understand that. And I think to that point is when we see riders out there that don't have all of it put together and their homework's not done. So you might be able to not worry about a stride, but you have a horse that's in balance, has the speed and has the direction in which they're going. What we have to do here is do the foundation fundamentals for those riders to have a horse that's in balance that's going forward and off their leg so that they can go forward and not worry about a distance because all those things are, are going together. I think that's what your point is, right? Yes, it is absolutely fascinating how a horse will develop his own eye. So, um, but I'm just going to interrupt you for one second, Lucinda. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to go lovely. right back into this. All right. So we'll be right back. Fab. The equestrian life has big highs, heartbreaking lows, and so many moments of self-doubt. From CCI 5 Star to Starter, every rider needs a support system and a cheering section. A care package filled with equestrian goodies can be the perfect way to celebrate, congratulate, or commiserate. Let Present Pony do the work so you don't have to miss an opportunity to express your love and support. Summit Joint Performance, the injectable joint supplement used by numerous international and Olympic riders, invites you to experience the winning Summit difference. Made of all natural ingredients, Summit increases mobility and comfort. Win your class with Summit Joint Performance. ERA of North America is the voice of the rider. To simulate and leverage the collective voice of North American riders, equine professionals, and owners, ERA of North America works to improve the overall safety, welfare, visibility, and growth of the sport. Be sure to go to www.eraofna.com and jump in. Well, welcome back to the John and Rick show, the voice of the eventing radio show and proudly sponsored by the horse trailer pros. And we are being joined back by the great, the one and only Lucinda Green. Lucinda, we are so happy to have you here. I know we have to meet by Skype. We are hoping that you were here earlier in March, but here we are talking safety with John Holling. And I think we were talking into the point of really developing a horse that has a mind of its own um, and that the riders find how to communicate with them being partners and not just dictators when they're riding. That's beautifully put. I, I, I'm, the mind of his own can go the wrong way. So I'd say <laughs> I'm hoping to develop his initiative. He's got incredible initiative anyhow. And, in, and instead of trying to flatten that, I want to develop it because for me, that is his greatest safety belt or our greatest safety belt is my horse's initiative. I, I totally agree. John, I know I, you know, we were out schooling at John's place the other day and I, we were talking earlier, Lucinda, about Elisa being out there with her horses. And <clears throat> John actually has a really good insight with one of her horses that she rides. It's a, it's a thoroughbred, it's a war horse. And John and Elisa really click together on how to ride that horse. And it's, it's fun watching John 
work with Elisa with that type of horse. And John, tell us a little bit about your insight about that type of horse. I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling envious that I'm not there to listen, John. I would <laughs> oh, I, I wish you were here and we're going to have yeah. to get you here. Um, but I think it's, you know, Lucinda and I have actually talked at length about this. And I think sometimes you can feel Lucinda, like we're coming at it from different sides, but really I think we're in the same place. And, um, and this thoroughbred that Elisa has that I was fortunate enough to get to help her with, we did, you know, it's a lot of repetition and let the horse canter down there, take care of having it balanced and straight and in the correct canter. And then when it gets there, the horse has to be able to pick the fence up and jump it on its own. And if it doesn't do it perfectly, you just go back and ride it the same again and repeat it until the horse figures out that question. That's the way I think of it anyway. And I think Correct me if I'm wrong. That's a little bit the way you would feel about it as well. As you balance them, you get them packaged, and then they have to go down there and look after themselves. Yeah, no, that is a hundred percent. And it always worries me talking about this because I always think people are going to say, "Oh, Lucinda says don't do anything," and I can just see them galloping down on a loose rein, and I'm going, "No, <laughs> that's not what I mean." You use a lovely word there, a very American word, package. And that's right. it. They've got a package. But the, the big thing that I've noticed that's come to the fore in the last 15 years or so is the focus. Because you never used to worry about a horse seeing the fence or seeing the line. They were so damn big. It was a question of whether he was brave enough to go down and to meet them. But now you're asking him to jump these little midget, difficult angles, narrow bits. So you now have to think, has my horse seen the fence? So packaging is critical and focus is critical. Absolutely. You know, and I was thinking of what we were saying or what you were saying in the last segment about dressage being, you know, it's obviously become so competitive and the horses have to be so good at it. And I was remembering a horse I used to be fortunate enough to compete named Lion King. And he, yes. he was actually from Cornwall, a really, really well-bred horse. He was by Schaub. And one of the, yeah, and he was one of the best cross country horses I ever had. But I remember yeah. I worked so hard one winter to get the dressage sorted out because he could move, but I could not get him soft to do the dressage. Yeah. And to your point, and I wonder if you've had any like this or any students or any horses of your own, I got the dressage. I got him to be ultra competitive. He was in the top six at every advanced I took him to one season, but he forgot how to go cross country. And it took me three, four months to get him back going well enough cross country. And I remember being at Fair Hill, he was competitive again that year, but he kept letting me down on the cross country. I kept letting him down. And I turned to my now wife and said, you need to understand, and this will not be politically correct. I said, you need to understand as I'm getting counted down, I'm either coming back double clear or meet me at the ambulance. And it was a little bit that attitude was a little bit that attitude that I had to have with him was like, look, it's wonderful. You want to listen to me, but you have to go. And um, yeah. it, I wonder if you've seen that with some horses that were once great cross country well, horses and then you sort out the flat work and it goes away a bit. For my own personal thing, no, because I'm so bad at dressage. I've never gone to that point. However, <laughs> I don't believe that. I do want to tell you what the one and only great maker of the American three-day event team Jack Legoff said to me one day, and I've never, ever forgotten it. And he was, although I know some people didn't get on with him, he was just one of the most extraordinary people and extraordinary horsemen. And he said, Lucinda, when I was in Samuel, I decided to take my really good event mare and get to Prix Saint-Georges during the winter. And she said, he said to me, and do you know, when I came out in the spring, just like you, John, 
she didn't do the cross country anymore. She was so waiting for me to tell her what to do that she lost her initiative. She lost that wonderful eagerness and that way a good cross country horse just eats the fences. And I've never gotten that, but I've never experienced it because I'm so bad at dressage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that that's true. I don't think that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Lucinda. I think, you know, uh, the safety issues obviously have been running really high here. You know, we had that fatality of uh, Kate Morrell and the horse carry on. And we, that kind of shifted things that were already going forward is is really going forward again. Um, but to another accident on cross country or not even in cross country is, is head trauma and having um, a concussion. And I know that you and Lissa both have suffered from some, some concussions and you are a big advocate of really making sure that you let the brain heal. If you do have one to those listeners out there, can you explain how important it is? Do you have a concussion to rest and get it, it, it sorted out? Did, did, as a matter of interest, because I'll come on to this. It's a very good question. Did Briggs recover his, he did in, in, in a fairly short time, because one thing when, when, Rick's other half, Briggs, got kicked in the head. My God, he was lucky. Um, I said, take it from me because I didn't do this and I'm still suffering. Don't go to any screens for the first however long, week or whatever. Keep off the television. Keep off your iPhone. And, of course, you're lying in hospital. You've only been out for a few minutes and you're bored to tears. So you go for it on the screen. And I'm beginning to discover now people who are having doctors tell them not to go on the screen when they've been concussed but my doctor never did Lissa's doctor never did because it's only something they're beginning to think about but in the good old days when I was little and there was no screens uh, you were put in a darkened room for 48 hours and you didn't read and you didn't watch the telly or the black and white telly probably um, and your brain mended quickly we all got knocked out we all fell off the whole time but we never had this concussion. Alyssa is on, I think, 17 months. And she's so bad at the moment that she can only ride one horse. And then she starts getting sick and head. And she's just really bad. And it, the, the trouble with our lockdown is that she hasn't been able to go and see a neck chiropractor who has been keeping her neck right, which has been keeping her brain a bit better. But all I can say is any of you guys get knocked out, you'll feel fine. But if you can get off that screen for a week, and I know it sounds like the end of the world, but you might come back like Briggs did, and I believe he was off the screen for a bit, in, in, in the three weeks they say it should take, instead of where we are now, not 17 months and still not there. Yes, and I know, and I thank you, Lucinda, because I think we talked immediately pretty quickly after he got kicked, and you said exactly well, you what you- that video, it was horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And you said to me exactly what you're saying now. And Briggs took it to heart. He was, he was rested for a long time. No bright lights laid outside with blanket over his head and, you know, just kept quiet. So he's recovered completely and we haven't had any repercussions from it, but I am concerned about Lissa. I know she fell down. She didn't fall off a horse. She kind of fell downstairs and got a concussion. She she was leaning against a door in a restaurant and it fell open and she went head first backwards down the cellar steps. I think she's lucky to be alive because uh, those sort of accidents, not they can kill you or maim you. She broke her collarbone and she was out, obviously knocked out. 
But it's ever since then, she hasn't been able to get back to being right. And that's 17 months ago. Yeah, well, do you make sure, I know she's nearby, that we are thinking about her. She needs, we hope she gets well soon. And I was telling John about, I was telling John about Lissa. Lissa decided that she was going to be competitive later in life at at, at eventing. She didn't pick it. She didn't decide she wanted to do it until she was 20. Was that right? Um, uh, yes, and the rest, really, more, more like 22. And I think she, she would come to events, and she'd ride with a few events, but she'd never really feel um, the design. I think a lot of it was the feeling that uh, I'll never do as well as mum and dad, which is a horrible thing to have hanging over you. I was so lucky. My mum and dad were, you know, mum hunted, dad played polo before the <laughs> war. I had no pressure and I fell off all the time and nobody noticed. Whereas every time she fell off, it's, oh, Lucinda and David's daughter's fallen off. It was a horrible way to have to come to, to eventing. But you know what did it for her was our wonderful, I have to say, it, even though it was in our country, our wonderful Olympics at Greenwich. She came and she just got the feeling that she wanted to do this. It's wonderful what Olympics can do for young people. And she's been really loving it ever since but god yeah does she not I, i'm afraid i took all her luck she does not have a lot of luck at the minute but i keep saying it will change it will change you can't go on having the bad luck like her beautiful horse that took her around badminton was about to go to Burley and some fireworks were let off at a wedding in the next door field and he shot oh. off and he wrecked his meniscus which in you and i is an I illegal remember that. and that yeah. was just before Burley, and he's he's been 19 months trying to rehab and you know when you get a top horse you don't usually have more than one so she has and there's a lot of tales of bad luck but you know bless her heart she keeps trucking on because she is passionate she loves it i know she does hey john what what do you say that we have lucinda come back for one more segment do you have time to come back for another segment lucinda a hundred percent wonderful well let's take a quick break and we'll be right back Jump for Joy USA has what you need for your private farm or recognized competition. Our jumps are no maintenance, easy to move, and affordable. No scraping or painting necessary. We offer jump stands, wings, fillers, water trays, and more. Poles are wood-filled and available in four weights and lengths. And we now offer octagonal poles. Our cross-country portables and brush jumps are extremely useful and have been used for training by the British eventing team since 1990. Easy to move from the arena to the field and no tractor required, so you can change your setup often. We ship coast to coast in the USA and Canada. Visit our website, jumpforjoyusa.com. You can compare, you can contrast, but in the end, there's only one ultra-premium horse feed, Pro Elite Horse Feed. Its nutrition lock formulas ensure quality. Its advanced amino acid profiles maximize performance. Its regulated starch and sugar levels mean confident calorie sourcings, and its superior digestibility leads to an overall healthier horse. When it comes to feeding your champion horse, there is no competition. There's Pro Elite Horse Feed. For more information, visit www.proelitehorsefeed.com. Welcome back to the John and Rick Show, the voice of the eventing radio show, brought to you as always by our amazing sponsors, Horse Trailer Pros. Big thanks to Matt Taub. And we are rejoined again by six-time badminton winner and Olympic silver medalist and world champion, two-time European champion, the one and only Lucinda Green. Lucinda, thanks for sticking around for an extra segment for us. Yeah, Lucinda, thank you. So, Lucinda, I know that when you come over and you teach clinics, one of the things that 
happens a lot is people go away with obviously some great confidence in their cross country riding. I remember it myself. I was so much more confident riding around cross country. Um, but if I recall, I also received in the mail a few weeks after that, a pair of spurs to help me get a horse a little bit more in front of my leg cross country. I still have them. They were some real motivators. Um, but you do tend to travel around with like a bag of tricks, don't you? You usually have a bag of bits and some other stuff to help you out. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? Yes, I, I, the more I've learned, the more I understand that there is a bit for every horse, but sometimes it takes a bit of finding because I was brought up to believe that if you rode properly, you had a, a normal broken snaffle and a Caverson noseband and your horse went beautifully for you. And if you didn't ride properly, he didn't. So right. for a very long time, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that actually the shape of a horse's mouth, the shape of his tongue and many, many other things that I probably still haven't anywhere near learned about are incredibly individual to a horse. And some horses absolutely hate a snaffle. In fact, it is quite a cruel bit because it's a nutcracker, yeah, actually, which is why nutcracker. it works. And some horses stop when you pull. But many, many horses hate it. Many, many horses hate metal. So I do try and get, get around the world with a bag of bits, which, of course, as I go hand luggage only when I'm traveling for, for reasons that you can understand, those of you that have lost your bags on the way around the world, um, of course, every single um, security officer looks at them and goes, gee, man, what are these? <laughs> and then I say, do you, do you have any knowledge of horses? And they say, oh, yeah, this is a spur, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Lucinda Green with a Southern accent almost. I like it. <laughs> you sounded like an American just then. <laughs> That's a terrible thing, really. Uh, it's funny because I, I, I could write a book about the different customs officials I've had, and I nearly lost the whole lot at my own Gatwick oh, no. airport in London. I nearly, they nearly took them away from me. And I said, I go and ride the world with these for 13 years. You cannot take them away from me. And they didn't. <laughs> Anyhow, they, it is fascinating. And the, the, if I had to take only two bits around the world, I would take a Waterford, which is a bobbly bit, which yep. I heard about three years ago was a fresh, cruel, very strong bit. It is exactly the reverse. For most horses, it's really soft because it's got no, no nutcracker. And the other bit I would take is probably a leather bit. Leather bit. Yeah, some horses that are just finding metal too ferocious um, and sometimes get rubbed or blistered or burnt by happy mouth or knaves go beautifully in leather. But then I thought, oh, actually, the other thing I could do is just take one bit, the waterfoot, and some chamois leather, you know, like you shine the car with, yeah, and yeah. just tear wrap that into it. strips and wrap the chamois leather around the waterfoot, and now I've got my leather bit. And right. Yeah, we also have, what's quite, the wrap? We also use seal tech to do the same leather. thing. So uh, yeah, you know, seal techs you have to be careful with because yeah. I used to use it all the time and, and used to buy it readily in America where it's half the price of England. And I discovered with one example only, a horse in Adelaide was going really, really badly at my tiny fences at the beginning of the clinic. And he was ridden beautifully and it was a lovely horse. So I'm thinking, what's going wrong? He's got a nave bit in, you know, he should be confident in his mouth. He's stopping at everything. And something in the back of my mind said, just put the leather bit in. And so in the back of my mind, I brought it to the front, put the leather bit in and the horse never stopped again. And she emailed me six weeks later, they'd just done a two star. And, and right. I then realized that the nave, and to that I'd also say seal text would 
possibly do the same, was burning this horse. Hmm. The rubber was burning him. So I, I learned from that that there are some horses that actually are better in leather than they are. Sounds, sounds a bit kinky, doesn't it? <laughs> <They are. laughs> hey, it, Lucinda, it, I know... I, I know that along with your bit bag of bits, the other thing that you are really good about at clinics is you're sponsored by Succeed. And you go at clinics and you offer to the best improved, you give a three-month supply of Succeed. And I've got to tell you, that's a really good thing to have. So you ha you, tell us you, about- you use it on your mare? Oh yeah, the mare was really good on Succeed. And she oh, really I'm so happy yeah. to hear that. Yeah. And so I just I John have to, I have to say that it it is it is succeed that give this prize. And they give this prize to every clinic all over the world in, in three different continents. So I'm very, very lucky to have their support because I do really believe that it does settle a lot of horses. I think a lot more horses than we realize are uncomfortable in the gut or uncomfy in the tummy. I agree. And it is amazing. You sometimes have to use it for two or three months before you see a difference. And if you don't, they're, they're very they say if you don't see a difference after three months, the hindgut isn't the problem. Don't 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 bother to, to feed it anymore. But I'm so glad your fairly wild mare, if I remember, has yeah. felt a bit better on. Definitely has, and Briggs really appreciates it because he's competing her now. Um, John, do you um, have any bit that you like to go back to the bit stage? Um, you know what? Funny enough, my sort of recent go-to bit has actually been the duo Springer, which is like the Nave bit. Um, I ride a lot of my horses in a D-ring. I had a, a pretty good horse named Downtown Harrison that I rode in it. He was very soft-mouthed, and he didn't pull. Um, and now I have another good little Trecaner horse, uh, Prophet, and he goes in it as well. And so... Any of my horses that seem like they're just a bit light and don't want to take the bridle, that's what I seem to be riding most of them in. Um, and then, interestingly it's enough... A straight nade, John? Yes. Yeah, it looks just like a what, nade. That's a, what's it like? What's it? I'm what's sorry? it made out of? Um, so it's got like a steel cable in the center and then wrapped yep. around it is a, is a plastic nave. Uh, like material. It's real soft rubber. And you're right. I have rubbed horses in those bits in the past, but... Yep. When I've rubbed those horses in, with that in the past, it's been horses that pulled a bit. And yeah. and if these horses that I've been riding in it now, I tend to put them in it if they're a bit too light and I need yeah. them to take a hold. And then that bit works great. And I've actually now started show jumping my profit horse with a nave mouthpiece with a hackamore attached over the nose. Oh, and yes. it's, it's a combination bit. Actually, it's called a – I just ordered it from England because I couldn't get it here. Hack a um, bit? It's a trust combination, but you have to hack a bit. And yep. it's the only thing that that horse will stretch and use his neck in. And it's funny because I don't know what your experience is with it, Lucinda, but um, it looks horrible. It looks like you're putting some big monster contraption on this horse and you're just torturing yep. it. But it's a plastic mouthpiece with a very light hackamore over the nose. And he just absolutely goes like a million dollars in it. Isn't that wonderful? It is so wonderful when you find that one bit. I just keep saying to people, there is a bit out there for every horse, but finding it is difficult. And buy nothing, borrow everything, because otherwise right. you, you spend $200 on a bit, you think, right, you've got to go in this bit, and he doesn't like it. <laughs> Absolutely. I borrowed it from my uh, our good friend, Leslie Law. He let me borrow oh, it. Oh, that's I, so good. 
yeah. played with it for a, for a few weeks and decided I liked it, so I bit the bullet and bought it. There's That's a lot of puns so in that. Good. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. If you ever find that he's burning, it, because for whatever reason, this horse may not, but another horse may pull against your, your, your nave a bit, just go to the car wash shop and buy a chamois leather and just tear a strip off and just wrap it around the bit, and I bet you it stops the burning. Oh, that's you good know, advice. It's good to know. I remember you saying that before. We need to get some chamois and, and use yes. that, and we need it. Yep, definitely need to. So, Lucinda, I don't want you to get that uh, airfare back. I want you to hold on to it because John and I will figure out how to get you back to his farm and do Absolutely. a clinic for us. And with that, we'll make sure we have a lot of avocado, sour, sourdough bread, ginger, <laughs> and lemons and limes. And we just make oh, you happy the whole so time you're here. Good at remembering my diet. <laughs> of course. Yep. How could I forget Lucinda Green's diet? And we just wanted to thank you so much for, for taking the time out and being with us today. Well, thank you for asking me. It's a real honor, you two. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, we're going to hold you to coming back to the States as soon as we can get you here. I would love to do that. Great. Thanks Wonderful. a lot, Lucinda. Lucinda. Okay. We'll bye talk bye. soon. Sweet Dixie South is an equestrian facility built for the lifestyle of the vendors of all levels. Whether you are coming to Ocala for the entire season, a week, a month, or a year, this beautiful 160-acre farm is the place to settle in and enjoy your time with horses. They offer a full cross-country course with two water features, banks, ditches, an amazing footing to gallop, a spectacular all-weather footing ring, large grass jumping fields, and dressage rings. Located in the rolling hills of North Marion County in Reddick, Florida, Sweet Dixie South has 100 stalls and numerous paddocks, apartments, a line of camper hookups, washer and dryer amenities, as well as common areas to complete your experience during your stay. Under the ownership of Mike Campbell and the management of Can Do Joe Adams at Top Rail Tack, Sweet Dixie South has transformed into a premier eventing training facility in Florida. Go to www.sweetdixiesouth.com for more information. The equestrian life has big highs, heartbreaking lows, and so many moments of self-doubt. From CCI 5 Star to Starter, every rider needs a support system and a cheering section. A care package filled with equestrian goodies can be the perfect way to celebrate, congratulate, or commiserate. Let Present Pony do the work so you don't have to miss an opportunity to express your love and support. Jump for Joy USA has what you need for your private farm or recognized competition. Our jumps are no maintenance, easy to move, and affordable. No scraping or painting necessary. We offer jump stands, wings, fillers, water trays, and more. Poles are wood-filled and available in four weights and lengths. And we now offer octagonal poles. Our cross-country portables and brush jumps are extremely useful and have been used for training by the British eventing team since 1990. Easy to move from the arena to the field and no tractor required, so you can change your setup often. We ship coast-to-coast -coast in the USA and Canada. Visit our website, jumpforjoyusa.com. Hey, welcome to the John and Rick Show, the voice of the eventing radio show and brought to you by Horse Trailer Pros. And we are here joined today by... We've got Dr. Lisa Casanella, who is... Uh, many of us as our personal veterinarian and an amazing sports medicine vet. She, uh, where's my, where's my bio here? Now I told you I had it, Lisa. 
So she has served as the USEF team, USEF team veterinarian for the U.S. show jumping, driving, and vaulting teams. Wow. Um, and works for Peak Performance with Brendan Furlong and a whole great team. Dr. Jill Copenhagen is there and um, basically is the magician that keeps a lot of the event horses in this country in one piece and also has an amazing husband who's a great racehorse guy, Randy, who keeps Lisa in the racehorse world as well. So, Lisa, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the great introduction, and um, I am happy to be with y'all on such a nice day. Yeah, it's beautiful. And Lisa, I wanted to thank you real quick for your call the other day with my horse that lost an eye. Uh, I appreciate the phone call. It was heartfelt, and you meant a lot to get that phone call from you, so thank you. And Allison, well, your new partner, Allison Baber. Yes, Dr. Allison Baber. She's uh, the one that got out there to get everything you know, expedited to, to help you get things sorted out. And, uh, I'm glad it had a good outcome for what it could have. You got, um, we're so lucky to be in Ocala and have such great, um, specialty hospitals, you know, when, when our group can't get something sorted out that is needing to be referred, it's so nice to be able to get a horse into a hospital. Generally, all of you people are like, you know, within 20 minutes of most of the, the three hospitals in Ocala or in Gainesville. I mean, that's a 45 minute ride. And so we're so lucky to have all the, the super uh, specialists, um, diagnostic equipment. So uh, we're, we're in a good place to be and good, very good collegial uh, relationships amongst uh, most of the veterinarians here. It's a good place to work. And I, I can tell you from my experience with that, it, it was an hour and a half from from the time you got a call from uh, Lisa, from me, who I was out in the field, to him being in front of Dr. Brooks at Peterson Smith was an hour and a half. And I would say that was a really good teamwork and really well done. So thank you. Well, you are welcome. And um, Dr. Allison Baber, who is a part of Peak Performance, um, has been with us since December. Uh, she was the one that got to see Rick because I was in the middle of a, another appointment. Um, and we are down here year round. Um, Dr. Jill Copenhagen is down with us for the season, uh, usually from January through um, April. And then she goes back up to um, Middleburg, Upperville, uh, Northern Virginia area, and is there for most of the year. She kind of uh, covered Dr. Christiana Ober's old territory um, when Dr. Ober left us and headed to the UK. So we're, we're, we're really lucky to have a great team. There's, again, two of us here during the the um, year-round time, and then uh, there's three of us with um, during the circuit. So Allison's been a great addition, and we're really happy to have her. So, yeah. Lisa, I wanted to just sort of touch touch on a little bit. Obviously, there's so many things that you can do in the horse industry and ways to be involved at the top of the sport if that's what people want to do. So what made you, when you were um, not that much younger – when you were younger and thinking about sort of your career and horses, what pushed you into doing veterinary work and specifically sports medicine work? Well, Ma, I can't tell a lie. And a lot of you that know me know that it was my, my father actually pushed me to go to vet school, like forced me. <laughs> so it's, just, it's a long, it's another long story, but, um, I, I just was, I, I'm very myopic. I've done nothing but horses. Like just, that's been my whole life. I grew up just a barn rat and 
did very little with my family and I just was one of those people. So I, I never really thought about another way of life other than something with horses. And I always thought I would train and ride. And, and, um, my father really pushed me to, uh, go to veterinary school and I got lucky and, um, it all went really well. So as a, as a rider and been around a lot of different disciplines, I used to show, I started off and my base is dressage, but I started off with certainly um, a lot of uh, backyard type horses, Morgan saddlebreds. I used to show a lot of saddle seat uh, growing up in uh, central New York and uh, saddle horses, saddlebreds are really some of my favorite horses to ride. There's nothing like riding a really fancy um, show horse uh, and they're wonderful horses to be around. They get a bad rap because people don't understand the industry. Um, but so I've always been more like, you know, geared toward the performance end of things. And when I did my internship at Blue Ridge Equine Clinic in Charlottesville, Virginia, I just, you know, was in a great place to, to be um, mentored for performance horse work. I've been around, I've been so lucky to be around a lot of really great veterinarians. And so that's kind of how I, I went on that path. And then all the people along the way have been the I've just been very blessed I've, I've had a lot of great opportunities and I've had a lot of luck along the way to get kind of where I'm at for sure well I know we're all really lucky to have you with that all that experience and one of the things that I think is really unique and cool is that like I said in the beginning you were the team vet for a show jumping team a driving team and a vaulting team is that correct the I, for the vaulting I actually helped them pick their WEG horses. So I went to Munich. I can't remember when it was. It was like, I can't remember. It was back like maybe 2007 or 2008. And we picked um, their team horses because the vaulting discipline, and I actually don't know if, if this is still the same, but like, you know, if, if any world championships or world games are in Europe, they just use horses that are over there. So that was my introduction and I've done very little vaulting, but it was super interesting. And the, the, the camaraderie amongst the vaulters, uh, is pretty, pretty neat to see. So that was the vaulting end of it. And then, uh, been, been lucky to have the opportunity to be, uh, one of the many vets that are in the, um, uh, uh associated with Dr. Tim Ober, for the U.S. Um, show jumping team. So I started to do that in 2006, and I've been lucky to be a part of that. Dr. Tim Ober is the, the, the show jumping team vet, and he has a few people that have been available to do um, Nations Cup shows for the team in, you know, in Europe. I've been so lucky. I've gotten to see I never would have seen the world without this experience. Um, so I've been throughout Scandinavia, Europe. It's been amazing. So uh, that's I, I owe that all to Dr. Tim Ober. He's been a good friend of mine and a colleague from our days in Charlottesville when he worked for Dr. Dan Flynn and I was at Blue Ridge Equine Clinic. And um, he's been a huge uh, uh, part of my career. Even though I've never worked for Tim, I've taken care of a lot of his clients and we are um, good friends, and um, he's just done a tremendous amount of giving me a lot of opportunities for my for my career. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and I mean, and yeah, just it's kind of fun 
when uh, when you come out to the farm here and you sort of are getting ready for a trip or just got back from a trip and just the the amount of stuff that you must see and the excitement of make getting those horses to to be at their best to perform at their best has to be pretty exciting. It is. It, it's a it's a unique experience. Um, I started off um, doing the um, the developing tours. Um, so that was really interesting. I, my first trip was in, uh, in basically throughout Scandinavia and I just landed all by myself in, uh, Helsinki had to find the horses somewhere in Finland where they were staying. And, um, we were, we had the first nation's cup in a little tiny town, 30 miles from the Russian border. Uh, it was Hamina and it was amazing to see horse sport seen through a lens from you know the other side of the world uh in a in a obviously a small country and they're just you know the they love horse sport i feel i always feel like when i go abroad and i hate to say this but there's so much more enthusiasm from just the general public all the great venues that i've been able to go to and Hamina was on the edge of nowhere and, you know, the whole town just, they were so excited to, to have some great people. And on that tour, uh, Georgina Bloomberg was on that tour and, and we had some other really great, um, young developing, uh, riders. Some have turned into professionals, some have not, but, uh, it was just, it's cool to see it through a different lens and to see horse sport from somewhere else other than the U S. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun to get to go over there and see that stuff. Um, so so, so I, I've got some, Lisa, please. I think but with, with all our listeners or people watching, I don't think they really understand like John and I, Elisa, all of us have y'all as our team. Right. Um, and what happens with the competition of our horses? We just don't see you when we have an accident, right? We don't see you when we have an emergency. <laughs> We see you when we need diagnostics done to ensure that our horse is at their top performance peak, uh, peak performance. There we go. And so <laughs> I think a lot of people understand that we we have y'all show up on a Monday after an event, do an analysis of our horses and say, okay, this is what's going on. This is what you probably need to work on. Sorry about the sun too, by the way, guys, it's switching here. Um, so can you talk to that point of really diagnostic work with, with your clients and what you do to help us keep our horses at the, their peak performance? Yes. Um, I'm, I, I always tell people I, I rarely save a life. So I, I don't, I don't always, I used to have a lot of exciting, uh, crazy, uh, uh, emergencies and things in Virginia when I practiced in Richmond and, and Charlottesville for like 13 years. So, so here I, I really have been lucky and, and, and I owe that to Dr. Brendan Furlong, who I work for and Dr. Christiana Ober, who I, you know, used to work with and we are very close friends. But when I joined uh, Dr. Ober in 2010, when I moved here, um, I was so, I mean, I, I kind of came in with all of these amazing clients that you guys are. And I was, I was pretty, it, it was a pretty daunting task to, to be able to get to serve you. I'm very lucky that Dr. Furlong has always outfitted us with the best equipment and I have everything on my truck to get basically what I am capable of getting done. Um, so I do, I do see a lot of horses post-competition, pre-competition, during competitions, and I'm able to, to do some pretty thorough workups. We have great clients that allow us to really, you know, 
spend time going over horses, watching horses go under saddle, um, and getting to know the horses. And, and it's a, it's, it's, it's a huge opportunity and honor for me to get to do that. Um, we do pretty thorough workups and usually it's a lot of, uh, again, hands on, you can't beat a good physical exam. We have certainly a lot of, uh, you know, great ultrasounds and x-ray systems and shockwave machines. We have an awesome regenerative laser, all these great things that we can help diagnose and treat horses, all the regenerative therapies we're able to do pretty much stall side, um, these days. So that's, that's, we're super lucky. Um, and, but I, there's nothing like taking a lot of time to getting to know all my clients' horses. It's, it's hard. It's confusing. I rely on the trainers. I rely on the grooms to let me know, Hey, is this leg look different? Is this horse have more of a pulse in its foot? Is the leg hot today when you took it out, you know, first thing in the morning? Um, obviously we're, we have, we see a lot of soft tissue injuries that the, the grooms really are super helpful in helping us keep track of and, and, and help us identify when they pop up because they know the legs so well and just watching the horses go. Um, I think that's really important. I see a lot of horses that, and sometimes I don't always have the time to watch them go under saddle, but it's, it's always a helpful, helpful way to, to bring all of it together. There's a lot of things on a standing exam that you can pick up and, you know, they're slight and you see it under saddle and, you know, you, you, you're so glad that you took time to watch that horse go. We don't always do it because we're always so rushed. That's one thing that uh, this COVID situation has slowed things down and, and uh, it's been a nice opportunity to for me to slow down and be able to take some more time with my clients and and um do a better job because i'm not going at such a crazy pace like we are um, we're also really lucky when we're not able to sort out the diagnostics we have great referral here in ocala um, as far as being able to send horses for an mri we send a lot of those um, and CT is available up at uh, the vet school in Gainesville. So that's a really helpful tool, excuse me, tool for bony injuries and, and things in the neck and in the skull for sure. Um, nuclear scintigraphy is available here. Um, so we're like, you know, we can really get a lot of high end diagnostics done through our practice at peak, but also, you know, we're, we're just a very, very minimally removed from sending a horse off to have an MR and getting the answer pretty darn quick. And if it needs surgery, sometimes they roll right into surgery from the MRI. So we're, we're super lucky that we get to work on all these, you know, elite athletes and be able to provide them the best service, even though, you know, peak performance is not equipped with a, you know, a full a hospital. We're just an ambulatory practice. Well, I think the main point here, Lisa, is first of all, thank you so much for coming on. And then as you sort of started this, it's that good physical exam that really is the, the start of all of that. And I know I can speak for myself and I know I can speak for Rick and everybody else down here that we are just all so appreciative that we have you and your team because it doesn't matter how much diagnostic stuff you have if you don't have a good veterinarian who is a proper horseman and knows horses and has that base of knowledge, none of the rest of it matters. You can have all the gadgets in the world. So I just, from the bottom of my heart, want to say thank you for being a part of my team. Uh, and and, and <laughs> I'm from, from ours too. So I always know it's, it's peak performance all the way. And 
Uh, well, thank you. That's a that's you have no I, that that's that is it for me. I mean that that's that's it doesn't get any better than those kind of comments because that's you know we we sacrifice a lot to be able to to do our jobs and um, it's demanding and it's it it means everything for all of us veterinarians. Everybody out there too. Make sure you tell your vet. We do we do hear a lot of it when it's not so good, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's yeah. really nice to get the good shout out because because you do. I mean, I'm lucky to get to be so many. Um, I'm I'm a team member. It's how I feel with certainly many of the clients um, that I get to work with. So um, and 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 we live it. You know, it's 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 a it's a lifestyle it's, for sure. Isn't it is it? a lifestyle, and and um, I'm very lucky to be here. And I I owe a lot certainly to Dr. Christiana Ober and Dr. Furlong for for getting me in the right spot here. And I appreciate everybody that's given me um, uh, their, the opportunity to work for them. Um, I was, I was a newcomer. Nobody knew who I was in 2010 and it, and I, I got to jump on board to just some great places. So I'm, I always be thankful to, to all of you. Well, you're absolutely right. Because I remember when you first came to my farm, I thought, yeah. I want, I want Christiana. Who's this Lisa chick. And <laughs> you showed up and you were there for about 10 minutes. And I thought, right, this will work. This is our new vet. So thank you so much for coming. Thanks thank for you, all of the years of help and thanks for being on the show. Oh, you guys are welcome. It was my pleasure. I enjoy it. And, um, uh, to everybody out there, stay safe and look forward to seeing you guys back in, in the show ring and on the cross country course. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for joining us and we will see you in a couple weeks on the next episode of the John and Rick show. Maybe back in the studio. Let's hope. Hi. I'm Rick Wallace. And I have John Holling here with me. Three phases, dressage, cross country, show jump. And you're out on course and something's going wrong or going right. You know how to react to what they're doing. It was built originally to be a schooling facility and so everything's set up very conveniently.